Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light is dawned on those living in the land of darkness. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness. From now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Thank you, Peyton. What Peyton just read is probably one of the most studied and celebrated Christmas stories of all time. And it is a birth announcement of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I've received lots of birth announcements in my life. I've actually given out quite a few birth announcements in my life. And as a matter of fact, I was going to bring Glory up here because today is her first Christmas in America. Last year, we were waiting for her to come home, uh, but she was not wanting to come up here with me. She wanted to stay off camera today. So she stayed over there, but today we get to celebrate that. And that's what a birth announcement is. We want to share the news of life. We are excited about life. We want to tell them about it. But in this birth announcement that we read in the book of Isaiah, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different than what we would normally expect from a birth announcement. And in that birth announcement, I, I wrote down four different things that were different about it. The first thing I wrote down is this. It went out really early. It went out really early. Some birth announcements go out as soon as the baby is born. Some birth announcements go out just a little bit later, depending upon the lack of sleep and preparation that the parents have. And so we look at that, but this one here, when I look at every birth announcement I've ever gotten, it's always after the baby. This one is different. It went out early. As a matter of fact, it went out 700 years early. To let us know about what was going on, the prophet Isaiah was actually delivering to the people of Israel while they were facing the threat of, of getting basically taken over this great superpower of Assyria. As a matter of fact, they actually would, Assyria would eventually destroy the northern kingdom of Israel and lead many Jews into captivity. So as we see this, Isaiah is actually addressing the situation by promising a future king. By promising a future king in 700 years, that's a long time to wait on a promise. But that 700-year delay, if you were with us for the last couple of weeks as we looked at the birth story, as we looked at this Advent conspiracy, if you've been with us, we talked about that Jesus came at the perfect time, at just the right time. God's plan was in action. We would hope if we were doing it, that that promise would be fulfilled sooner. But that isn't the case here. God gives this promise to help the Israelites sustain through the dark times in their lives. He gave them hope through the dark times. And I think we can relate to somewhat of that. Not exactly, because ours isn't really 700 years. It's only been, oh, it seems like it, but it's only been a year so far in all of what we've been going through. But the long period between promise and fulfillment, it was actually a gift from God to his people. As crazy as that is even to think about. The second thing I want to look at with this birth announcement that made it different, it was a royal birth. It was announcing a royal birth. Listen to the words again from Isaiah that Peyton read. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. 
and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it. And then look, 700 years later, you have to think that that's a long time and people probably began forgetting about it. The angel Gabriel comes and he's talking to Mary and he's talking to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verses 32 and 33 and he says these words, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. He's saying this king is coming. This king is coming. Both Isaiah said it and Gabriel has said it to Mary. The king is coming. This is no ordinary birth announcement. The third thing is, is the baby had four different names. I'm not sure how many different birth announcements you've gotten, but generally there's just one name on it. This one had four different names. And it says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name should be called Mighty God. His name should be called Everlasting Father. And his name should be called Prince of Peace. Those are big names. You know, it wasn't sufficient to just describe Jesus with one name. These are the names that came out. And then even more so, it tells us what he's going to do. Can you imagine on a birth announcement that it says something along the lines of future Hall of Fame baseball player, future CEO of a major corporation? It's not going to say that because we don't know, but God knew. He knew what was going to happen. Birth announcements don't list accomplishments because there's none done yet. All they've done so far is eat, sleep, and we'll just talk about the other stuff later. But that's all they do. So there's nothing to really announce. This one was different. This baby was different. The words wonderful counselor. You know why that's important to us? You know what that that indicates? It indicates that Jesus will be a supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. That's great for us who are in desperate need of guidance. The second thing we see is mighty God. Mighty God. It indicates that Jesus was going to be divinely strong and powerful. You know what that helps for us? It helps for us who are weak. Everlasting Father indicates that Jesus will care for his people forever. And as a father cares for his children, so Jesus will care for us. And that's amazing news for those of us who are alone and underappreciated. Prince of Peace indicates Jesus will bring a deep well-being and right relationships. Isn't peace what everybody wants? Isn't that what people are crying out for? And we have the Prince of Peace. This is amazing news for those who lack peace with either each other or lack peace with God. The fourth thing is, is about these names. They're all names that are given to God. Isaiah is saying God is coming. And look at that last line in verse 7 that, that Peyton read. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's what it tells us. It tells us the Lord is coming. This king will be born. This king will be born on the basis of God's own passionate commitment to you and to me, to his people. He wants to fulfill his purposes through his son. That is an amazing thing. And like I said before, we tend to get caught up in the Christmas story and we just think about, yeah, Jesus' birth. Then we get to Easter and it's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it kind of becomes ho-hum. There's nothing ho-hum about that. And we cannot let that become routine in our lives and we see that God is coming that God is going to come in the person of Jesus that he took on flesh to give us that wisdom to give us that protection to give us that fatherly care and to give us that peace as we enter into a relationship with him 
This birth is the story that is found in the book of Luke that the Williams read. And thank you so much for doing that for us. As we look at the words and we see that, you know, I told you, we have to not let it become ho-hum. But I guess the next question is, is what is the point? Why is it a big deal? Why is this story something that should matter to us? What's the point? Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've coined the term, let's make Christmas meaningful again. Let's make Christmas meaningful again. That, that Christmas isn't just some random holiday that we celebrate and we throw money and time and effort into just trying to make everybody around us happy. But something somewhere in this day and in this season, there's a point. There's a point to it all. And don't we want a point? Don't we search for a point in everything? Isn't that kind of our goal in life? It's amazing that no matter what stage of life that you are in, we want to know the point. We want to know why we exist. We want to know that these things that are going in, on in life matter. What is going on, God? It's not just some random chaos that we live in, though sometimes it seems like it. God, I want to make sense of all of this and how it all comes together. You know, I'll use this tree here for an example. Let's say this tree is your life. This tree, it has a base, it has a foundation, it has points that, that where they connect to the main stem, and then there's lights that come off it, and then it's decorated. If any of that was out of order, you would notice. But there's a point to that, and it all comes together, and it all looks great. And in our life, sometimes we haven't seen it all come together the way that God sees it all come together. What is the point what is the point of all this? We want to know what our lives are supposed to look like. We want to know why this happens, why that doesn't happen, who this is, who that isn't. You know, we want to know those things. We want to know the reason. As a matter of fact, I think we've actually coined a, a, a phrase. And that phrase is, is that everything happens for a reason. You know when the worst time to actually say that is? When somebody dies. And I've heard it said to me before, and I've heard it said... Uh, even I went on a chaplain call uh, last week and, and one of the officers said, oh, everything happens for a reason. I'm like, shh, don't say that. that. That is not a comforting statement. But we do want to know at the same time, don't we? We want to know why things happen. And these questions drive us and, the, and they drive a desire that is in us to know more. And, and we want to say that Jesus is the reason for the season. But what is the point? And what is it that drives us? See, I have two labs at home. One, he, uh, he'll turn six months old in, a, in, a, in a, like about a week. And that kid, he eats everything in my backyard. I used to have a really, really nice set of bushes in the backyard. Now there's a really, really nice set of twigs sticking up. And, and my drip line is all over the place right now because he decided that was a fun chew toy. Instead of the chew toys, I bought him. You know, but in all of that, the other lab has joined in. She's gone back to puppy stage like, hey, if he can do it, I can do it too, which is just awesome. But the, the thing is, is as I look at them, they don't care about any of this stuff that's going on in life. If I had gotten them a stocking stuffer, and I actually had the thought, I'm like, if I give them a giant bone, will they chew on that instead of my backyard? But it's not like they're going to be like, it's Christmas, and there's a point to all of this. Celebrate. No, they're just going to chew on their bone and they're going to go about their business because they don't care. And in us, what makes us 
different. There's something in you, there's something in me that just wants all of this to make sense. It's just what they want. And that's why this next week, when we celebrate New Year's, a week from today, people are going to want to make 2021 better. They're going to want to make 2021 matter. They're going to make resolutions to say, this is where I want to see my life by the end of it. Just out of curiosity, for those of you who made a resolution at the beginning of 2020, anybody stick to those? Just curious, because this has been kind of a crazy year. I don't think anybody really planned on what was going to happen. But as we begin to look at it, we start to look back and go, this year, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more that God created us for than living for some nine months literally inside their houses. There's got to be more to life than this. And how can 2021 be better? How can 2021 matter more than this last year that some may even consider a waste? I wouldn't consider it that. But some think that it is. Why do we have that drive, though? To make next year better. And I believe that is the image of God in us. When he says, let's create them in our image, this is what he put into us. This is where it's at. The image of God says, there is a purpose. The image of God says, there is a plan. You may not know what it is, but God does. And he's got that plan that is working in our lives for his honor and his glory. And all of that longs in our life, all the different pieces coming together, all the connecting of the dots, the same things my dogs don't care about, we care completely and totally about. How is this going to work out? How does it matter? And when those things work out, we get to see all things, good and bad, give glory to God. And that is what this season is all about. That's how it ties into our Christmas story, because in some ways, Isn't the Christmas story just the best example of God dipping down, stepping down out of heaven and reminding us that he has a plan for this world? And reminding us that there is a design, that he is a great designer, that the Christmas story we have have read isn't just some tradition, it is the amazing account of God stepping out of heaven into the earth and putting on flesh in such a way that he becomes involved and intertwined with mankind. That is an amazing story, and I hope that you saw that this morning as the Williams read it. Not that it's just some story that we read every Christmas, but it is something amazing, and that God would step down. And you know, there's lots of people that might argue argue with you about that, because A, there's a good handful of people that don't believe there's a God, and then B, there's even more of a handful of people that don't believe that he would send his son for us, and that somehow he would die for us and somehow he would take our place as that atoning sacrifice so that we could have life. And people are going to argue and say, you're a fool. But the great thing is, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 3.19, that wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And nowhere is this truth more powerful than in Jesus' story. In Jesus' birth. Can you imagine how Christ's birth might have looked if God said, I want you guys to plan his arrival. It would have been a mess, okay? I, I'm watching what goes on in Washington, and they can't figure anything out. Can you imagine saying, hey, God's coming down. You all have to get together and figure out how this is going to work. It would be a disaster. I can't imagine if he just said for me to do it. Because I began to think, I wouldn't do it his way. 
It wouldn't be a baby, and it wouldn't be in some know-nothing town in the Middle East, okay? I would have said, what is the best way for us to get the word out to every world leader? How could God send an angel to every one of them, not to some teenage girl, but to every one of them to say, God is coming in the flesh. Here's what you need to know. Here's how you need to prepare. And by the way, he's coming as a man, not as a baby, because there's no reason for him to have to live this whole teenage thing, because nobody liked that part of their life, really. So why would we put Jesus through that? And so that would have been my plan. Aren't you glad that wasn't the plan that God chose? Because when I look at the story of Jesus, and I look at the birth of Jesus that we read, how he did it wouldn't have been my way, but my way isn't perfect. And his way and his plan is and was. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the, the God's Lamb, Emmanuel, God with us, came exactly the way that God wanted him to, sent not as a grown man to the great centers of influence, but instead as a baby to that know-nothing town to be born in a feeding trough. But how does that relate to us? How does that matter to us? Well, we see God's heart about who he cares about, who he values, and sending in Jesus the way that he did made perfect sense now. That he cares about the small, the weak, and the outcast. That Jesus could identify with even the lowliest people. That is amazing and that is an awesome gift in all areas of our life especially in this last year we often wonder when and how god is going to show up haven't you thought about that this week god i just need you to do x therefore my life will make sense we say that and god's like i'm here Emmanuel means God with us. And he says, surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. That's the the bookend statements that we have. He is with us. And we find ourselves thinking, God, if you could just do this, I think we need to remind ourselves of the Christmas story and how God interacts with our lives and how God interacts with the world exactly and how he perfectly planned it in his perfect wisdom and not in ours. So the next time we find ourselves needing God, I would challenge you today to remember the Christmas story. Remember the Christmas story and wait expectantly for God to do exactly what he's planned to do. That is what it's all about, according to his plan and in his way. Thanks for being here and celebrating with us. Let's just pray and give him thanks for what he's done. Father, we again want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here and just celebrate you. And on that night, God, and in that time that you sent angels to talk to shepherds, the lowliest of the low at that point in time, God, it's an amazing thing to think about, but you had a plan, and we're thankful for it. We're thankful you didn't leave us in charge because we would have messed it up just like everything else. God, you used those mess-ups, though, to glorify yourself, and we're thankful for it. We lift you up and we praise your name today as we sing these last two songs. God, may you have the glory. We pray in your name. Amen.